Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. It's an honor to be back with you for another installment of the Expert Series. I have the honor today to chat with Pat Corain of NBC. Welcome, Pat. Hey, thanks, Kevin. It's definitely an honor to have you on. As I was just telling you, I've thought of a lot of your work for a few years now. You're also just fun to listen to on podcasts. You seem to have a cool vibe, so I thought it'd be uh, fun to have you on and and chat about some fantasy stuff. Right now, you're working for, sure. for NBC. Uh, before that, you were established the run. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been in the fantasy space, like full time, or or you know, get it when you get your start there? Full time, uh, less than a year. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I was contributing to establish the run. Um, but you know, kind of doing freelance stuff basically, and then uh, uh, yeah, started with NBC full time last May. That's but great. I've been I was been doing stuff for a while. I mean, I was with Rotoviz, mm-hmm. um, started writing for Rotoviz I think in twenty fourteen, maybe twenty thirteen, and then um, we did uh, did podcasts with them for a while. Uh, me and Pete Overset did the Fantasyland podcast, which is how we uh, started working together. Mm-hmm. Um, been doing ship chasing for a number of years, so I've been doing fantasy football stuff for a long time. But but yeah, I didn't convert to full time until last year. Well, congratulations! That's a that's a big shift. And I was just talking, you know, when I talked with Denny, I definitely congratulate him him on that. A lot of us are are hopeful that one day is us. So uh, super happy for you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Were you uh, were you doing a, some other job at the same time you're doing fantasy on the side then for a while? Yeah, yeah, I was a project manager doing uh, energy efficiency. Um, Kind of basically like energy monitoring installations and uh, and helping businesses like reduce their load during during peak hours of uh, of the summer. Wow, that's a lot different. <laughs> Are you missing that at all? Not not really. No. <laughs> I, mean, I I did it for like uh, ten years and I did enjoy it. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to be doing the fantasy football stuff. Um, and it's been like you know I've been able to kind of dive really deep into a number of things. Like you know I've been doing this in season article. The walkthrough where I'm diving really deep and I have so much more time to get into that stuff. Um, that's been really rewarding. And then the, the rookie prospects uh, was what I'm working on right now. And, you know, just having all that time to dive even deeper is, has been just it's been really nice. That's cool. Yeah, well, maybe it, it, we'll have some time. Uh, I mean, I guess I can ask you now. I, I just got done myself diving into a bunch of the rookies. Are there are there any uh, we're not really talking about specifically today, but are there any? Uh, rookies that really pop out to you um, that you know maybe you're higher on than most I think it's a fun wide receiver class Uh, it's you know you don't have a Jamar Chase in this class but you're rarely rarely going to get a Jamar Chase like Jamar Chase's profile was exceptional and we also knew at that time you know that he's coming into the league that the guy he had outproduced in Justin Jefferson the year before is a superstar so like you have this additional confirmation point that, you know, for that to happen um, in exactly that type of way is going to be so rare. But we do have some really good wide receiver prospects this year. Uh, I really like Traylon Burks. I'm mm-hmm. not as concerned as some that, you know, he's kind of he had like schemed touch. He did have scheme touches. He did have, uh, you know, a lot of yak on screens, but he was also very productive uh, in terms of yards after catch downfield. Uh, mm-hmm. He was very efficient on his downfield targets. He didn't get as many as we'd like, but. You know, he had this incredible percentage of the Arkansas offense as a three-year mm-hmm. player. I mean, the upside on a player like that is like Des Bryant. You know, it could, right. be, it could be really, really exciting. So he's really exciting. I think Garrett Wilson is super exciting. Uh, I'm not quite as high on Drake London to have him like in the wide receiver one conversation, but I totally get why other people are psyched about him. Right. Uh, he's very exciting. 
Uh, I love Sky Moore. I think Sky mm-hmm. Moore, uh, the fact that he might get a, like it's possible he goes in the late first round. I mean, yeah. I'm going to be very excited about him if he gets uh, a first round stamp of approval. I was He's shocked at be... his, his measurables, man. That super yeah. surprised me. Yeah, I thought he'd be slow. I know. And, you know, the, the word on the tape is very strong and that those measurables, uh, you know, give scouts some more confidence that they can trust the tape. And right. you know, from an analytical perspective, analytical perspective just completely pops um he's gonna be you know he will go day one or day two and uh at that point he'll be the first non-power five three-year prospect to be drafted oh, wow. uh, in in day one or two since Devonte adams uh, wow, so you know you don't see a lot of early declares from these smaller programs mm-hmm. uh yeah so he's it's like one of these things where we don't see a ton of non-power five guys is like fantasy stars but it's mm-hmm. just kind of rare that you get someone of his profile not in a big program so he's really exciting jameson williams if he hadn't torn his acl i think would have there'd be people with him as their wide receiver one and that would be totally defensible right uh, so it's a very fun wide receiver class and then i think i like Brees hall and i like kenneth walker uh and i like rashad white at, at, at running back uh, I, yeah. I would put the the first two guys, maybe they're each in their own tier in a way, but right. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty interesting class. And then the quarterback class, there's no consensus, uh, but but Malik Willis certainly has upside. So I, I yeah. think it's it's a pretty fun class overall. Yeah, I think it is a fun class. I think it's a weird class though. I mean, the way that there's no consensus both on quarterback for me, I think tight end is very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's several guys that when I watch the tape, I like them better than um, Trey. McBride, uh, he's the kind of yeah. consensus one, but he, when I watch him, I'm just like, eh. I mean, I know he's got the athletic talent. He just looks like a fullback out there sometimes to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I was assuming after the combine that he wasn't that athletic and was going to fall, and then he had a good pro day. Yeah, you know, maybe he's back up. So it's been it's been kind of a roller coaster at tight end. Right. Yeah, I, I agree on the the wide receivers. I think that um, the big question mark for me on uh, Sky Moore, just speaking of him, was that he his look like he looks a little not like a receiver. It almost reminded me of um, <laughs> of Debo when he was coming out. Like Debo uh-huh. looks like stocky, more like a running back. Uh, but obviously, that I guess that fits with him. I wonder if Sky Moore would do some of that from the backfield stuff. I could see that. Uh, he Golden Tate has been the guy that's kind of come to mind a little mm-hmm. bit with him. Where you getting like. You know, he's kind of a slot. Like if someone decided he's a slot receiver, he could totally be a slot receiver. If someone's, you know, wants to put him outside for 60, 65% of snaps, I think he could totally do that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got the versatility. He's going to do most of his damage in the intermediate level. He can be used on some shorter stuff. You know, you could totally use him on some screens, jet sweeps, that type of stuff. He's not really a deep guy, you know, but. Maybe two speed. years from now he develop it, yeah, because he's yeah. got the speed. So maybe, maybe he's like a Stefan Diggs type, where he kind of starts in the slot and then works his way into a, a number one wide receiver type of type of role. But I think even if not, he's going to be like a, a reliable, productive kind of like you know a wide receiver fantasy wide receiver twenty type of guy. Like he does seem like you know you're getting something out of him. Maybe Robert Woods, you right. know, a little bit like that. Yeah. You know, it's super funny. I'll have to send you the link so you can see I'm not making it up. I just published my um, my thoughts on the rookie class and my comps. I couldn't decide on a comp for Sky Moore. I was torn between Golden Tate and Debo Samuel. So uh, I guess right. we both saw that Golden Tate <laughs> little yep. flare in there. It's interesting. And and uh, like analytically, he's pretty similar too. 
Okay, yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. look at that. I just was watching it and trying to see well, who does this guy remind me of. I think the stockiness, you know, but the quickness mm-hmm. reminded me of him. So anyway, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through like I have with the other experts, just ask you some questions in general, uh, just about uh, looking back at the 2021 season, looking forward, kind of your thoughts. I know you play in a lot of leagues, um, like I do, and I don't know how many, but I know you're in the high stakes. Street, I don't know. So. I don't know how many either at this point. <laughs> Too many to count. <laughs> yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk through some stuff and then we'll finish with a, with an exercise. It'll be fun. So uh, my first question just had to do with that that you that you do draft a lot and, and just thinking through draft strategy. I know you guys on on ship chasing talk a lot about draft strategy. Um, and as you look back at last season uh, and think about your drafts and just draft strategy in general. Um, what do you think was the maybe the best or most effective way? I know there's not a most effective way, but what for you seemed to work the best as far as, you know, zero RB, heavy RB, you know, hero RB, whatever. I, our best team was actually kind of like a hyper fragile team in mm-hmm. a way. Uh, it wasn't exactly like hyper fragile in a best ball draft. You'd take like four running backs and stop. This was a managed team, mm-hmm. um, but we, we did uh, Jonathan Taylor in the first round. We had the 112, so we got Taylor and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got Swift in the fourth, at the end of the fourth round, because it was uh, it's third round reversal. This is an NFC team, oh, okay. um, so we got DeAndre Swift, and then we like didn't take, we almost like didn't take another running back until just flyer territory. Hmm. So we hit on those two guys, and then we happened to also hit on Debo. We hit on Jamar Chase. Um, <laughs> we got AJ Brown. Yeah, we had Kelsey holding them tight end spot. So, but I, I do feel like last year was a year where you kind of had to hit on the right guys. And, right. you know, you could kind of say that every year, but last year was weird. We're like, you know, Debo and Chase were spaced. Like you could actually get right. like Taylor Swift, Debo, Chase. And Cup too. Team. And Cup. Yeah, Cup was a... Like, yeah, you you can kind of because the guys were spaced out and they were available in the middle rounds. And if you had like conviction on them, you know, you could have gotten like basically all of them. Right. Uh, so it does feel a little bit to me like there wasn't a dominant strategy last year and you mm-hmm. could basically have built however you wanted. I think you get some advantages by just kind of understand. Like, I do think that, you know, we were basically even though we took two running backs early, we we're still kind of like using the principles of, you know, fragility at the running back position to mm-hmm. like, you know, we had made our bet. Like we right. were, we were going to win the league if Swift and Taylor hit, which they did. And, and we won the league or, you know, we were going to be, uh, you know, up a Creek. Big if one of them yeah. did not hit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we were just going to have to figure it out on the waiver wire. And of course, like, you know, Swift dealt with injury. So we did have to figure it out on the waiver wire a bit. You know, we were like filling in Alex Collins and stuff, you know, you're, right. you're grinding away and you're getting fill in points. Um, you're going to have to do that even if you hit, cause you're never going to get, you know, 16, 17 games or whatever. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, generally I still, I do like uh, zero running back and I like the, uh, the principles of zero running back, you know, you're, you're just kind of thinking through the running back position as like, I'm drafting this position for upside I know that it can go wrong very quickly and not just because guys get hurt, but because, you know, so much of why we're drafting these guys is based on these projected touches and that can go away, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not necessarily drafting these guys because we think they're the most talented players on the board. We're drafting them because of projections and, you know, that projection is pretty fragile and, you know, you just kind of go through and 
you know, look at the guys who like you're you're jamming in in DFS week week two versus like week fourteen. You know, it can be pretty different. Right. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't think like last year really progressed us much in terms of um, Stra- overall strategy. The strategy, but I de- I mean I do like the hyper fragile strategy, especially for best ball. Like, you know, you can get get your running backs taken care of, and I kind of like doing maybe two early, and then I'll get two more in like you know rounds eight or nine or maybe one in that range and one later so i'm not like just jamming all my running backs in the the early rounds um because you know the wide receivers in like rounds three through five have been pretty strong running backs they're usually pretty weak so right um but yeah i think you want to have a, you want to be comfortable with a, a variety of strategies i think is, is fair right to yeah i agree do, do you find um or i should ask do you play in any contained leagues that are not part of larger contests um yes yeah i have like i'm still in like a like one kind of uh home league auction thing yeah um i was just curious if those kinds yeah i was just curious if like the contain leagues like as far as draft strategy uh changes anything you know because you're saying like basically you you made a bet if you hit you hit if you if you don't you don't and a lot of that i feel like is based on being in these large contests where you have to hit a perfect team to win it or close to it you know whereas if you're in a contain league you know, does it change anything for you? The NFC team that I was talking about, that was actually a contained league. It was a oh, 5K. Okay. Um, it was just a 5K 12-team league. Okay. And, I mean, we did – we hit, like, enough to the point where we were kind of wishing it wasn't. Um, yeah, exactly. But but I think – I mean, like, it's a 1-in-12 proposition. You know, mm-hmm. it's still a GPP, even yeah. if you're in a contained league. Like, you still do want to kind of swing for the fences a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like for me, for some reason, when I'm in a, when I'm in a contained league, I feel like I want to be play it a little safer, not a lot safer. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, as far as like uh, making sure I have a couple playable backs, I'm much more willing to wait in a, in a, you know, big contest. Cause it's like, uh, I'll find somebody on the wire and right. You know, um, I think there's something, something to that for sure. Um, where like, you know, you can kind of play, uh, and especially in these, like, you know, the FFPC where it does tend to be a bit more running back heavy. It's like, if you're, if you're able to get into, you know, prime position in the overall main event playoffs, uh, and you have this structure that's not particularly common mm-hmm. among those teams. I mean, that's an advantage. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas that doesn't do you any good in a container. You just want to score the most points and win every week. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, as far as like you, you said, that it's, I think that's a smart thing that we really didn't move strategy ahead. And I think part of that is because of those guys that popped in the middle rounds. But do you think looking forward as you're I don't know how much drafting you've done with best ball or anything so far, but uh, how are you thinking about the various positions in 2022? Um, I know you have to be flexible, but uh, is there is there any sort of strategy? I mean, besides just I like best ball and then you let the board fall or is there anything you're thinking about? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely, we'll get to it, but I, you know, I think tight end is really interesting this year. Uh, I think the, the running backs is like, I think running backs are really interesting this year because there's kind of this glut of running backs that like no one really knows what to do with that. Like, you know, the kind of the guys who are like sort of aging out in, you know, cook Camara, mm-hmm. Mixon, Fournette. It's like, everyone's kind of like, yeah, all right. I'll draft this guy. You know, like right. there's, I kind of need a running back here. 
I see the upside. I see the downside. It's not a first round pick. You know, these guys are falling, um, but they're still kind of in a premium. I mean, definitely still a premium pick to get those guys. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like maybe we'll get, we'll all have stronger takes on them right now, but as like at the moment, it's like, I know these guys have jobs, you know, right. I don't know who else has jobs later. And, you know, I'm not as psyched about the wide receivers in this range. It doesn't feel like the round two wide receivers are super exciting. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like last year, it was like those guys were all hot. And the second and third is sort of like, eh. Like you, T. Higgins, like he doesn't like, I got to grab this guy because you got Chase. It feels like all of them are like that, doesn't it? Yeah, a, a bit. And then you've got, um, you know, Adams and Tyree Kill. Right, know, dropping, falling a Getting little bit. removed kind of from the, the upper tier. Mm-hmm. So it does feel like wide receiver, there's like, three guys and then it kind of falls off a bit um Mm -hmm. and so then that leaves you with this like group of running backs where you're kind of like i guess i'm i guess you know this frees me up later to to hammer wide receiver so you know it's helpful to grab this guy now um but then yeah you start thinking about the dead zone stuff and you know is this guy going to get hurt and like you were saying tight end are you thinking about certain tight ends trying to grab in the top three rounds yeah, and I've been doing the the underdog superflex drafts, and there's oh, like okay. in the fourth round, you're you're pretty frequently seeing a tight end available there. Sometimes in the fifth round of those, and uh, those those leagues like they don't have they basically have one less extra um, wide receiver in them, and so the the starting I think the starting lineup is more important in those leagues. So I'm I'm I've been prioritizing tight end there. Yeah. Uh, but in general, I, I like taking a tight end early in best ball. Um, that's one of the, and I like taking a tight end early in every league, to be honest. Right. I mean, not, nah, I don't force it, but, um, but I, it is one of the things that I like to do. So do, how do you feel about, uh, I know that generally what you're saying is you like to hammer receivers early, um, maybe grab one running back or whatever, maybe, but go fragile. You like to take a tight end early. How do you feel about quarterback? I mean, is that something you typically hit in like that? fourth to eighth round range or do you, do you normally wait how do you normally handle it it does feel like it's really changed over the last couple of years where right like, you have to have the ability to compete you know at least somewhat with those elite quarterbacks i don't like taking kind of whoever the market has decided is the most likely of those right. rushing quarterbacks to be the guy like mm-hmm. i don't think we're going to be very good at that you know in the same way that we like, haven't been no yeah and the late, you know, the late round quarterback strategy, one of the reasons it was so effective is that, you know, we're not very good at predicting passing efficiency and, you know, touchdown, passing touchdowns and everything. Um, and who just kind of who's going to stumble into that incredible passing season, right. which is still true. But we now have like two classes of quarterbacks where, mm-hmm. you know, one guy, you know, one class can pick up a ton of rushing touchdowns and rushing yards and the other does not. But still within those tiers, I think we're not going to be incredible at, you know, projecting which of those guys just goes off. Yeah, I agree. So I kind of I generally like to be sort of at the end of the tier mm-hmm. uh, there. You know, and in best ball, it's kind of nice to get one of those guys. And then you can get, you know. A couple others. A couple others or, or one other. Um, yeah. But you don't have to get necessarily two from that tier. Um, but, you know, you could, you could. You could do like a Russell Wilson and a Jalen Hurts, you know is like kind of the very last guys or something like that. Right. Yeah. I'd certainly used to be trying to be one of the very last to get a quarterback. And it does feel like the last couple of years, it's just totally shifted. Um, not that you can't win with like a, you know, I don't even know an example. 
Um, Kirk Cousins. Lower, Kirk Cousins, thank you. <laughs> Average quarterback. You can win, but, man, it just feels like he's going to give you those 10-point weeks and crush you. Yeah, and I also – I mean, it makes me a little nervous to go after, like, Tom Brady, even Matthew Stafford a little bit, like, the, because you are you are counting on them to just have that incredible passing season. And they certainly have, like, much higher odds than the normal quarterback right. of having that. But, but no rushing. Um, but no rushing. You don't have anything to fall back on if that doesn't come through for you. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I do saw prefer the... to get like a Kyler, you know. Yeah. yeah. I was just looking at the ADP earlier and I saw where Allen was going and I was just like, no, I, I'm not going to have any if he goes there. You know, even right. in, even in like football guys championships or, or main event, we're probably looking at third round and I just I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I'm out on that because um, stuff stuff really falls off, you know, in the like the third round is a very strong round for mm-hmm. the skill positions. Um, yep. And if you can get like the fifth or sixth round, Dak has been a guy that I frequently drafted. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out so well last year, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll go back to that. Well, like yeah. Dak is uh, a, a very strong it. fantasy quarterback, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like the cheaper guys that still have like, you know, very, very strong upside. And I don't think you have to get like the quarterback one, right. You just need to be getting a guy who's kind of keeping you, uh, within striking distance of the quarterback one. Yeah, 25 point, you know, average is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um looking back at the rookie class, I know you're studying the rookies now, but looking at the rookie class from 2021, uh, does anything strike you about that class like after seeing a year of their careers anybody jump out or, you know, think that y- anyone you think, you know, this is a guy we should be watching to kind of pop this year? Uh well, I mean like my mea culpa in a way is on Kadarius Tony where uh <laughs> I mean, Kadarius Tony was like just a, a very bad selection in the first round based on everything we knew at that time. But right. the what he's shown as a as a rookie and the fact that he was a first round pick, you know, I think we should be pretty excited about him entering his second year, even though he didn't do a number of the things as a prospect that that we were looking for to kind of predict what he might do as a rookie. But like, you know, it was a small sample. He only ran 196 routes as a rookie. But he had 2.14 yards per route run, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And he also only played 60% of his snaps in the slot. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that, to see him, you know, being able to get open on the outside when, like, we thought entering, uh, you know, when he when he entered the league that he might just be like a gadget player. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I was so down on him is like, on top of him, you know, not being very productive at Florida, being a four-year player. Uh, really not being efficient in his final season um, in terms of yards per out run at Florida. Although he was somewhat efficient in his early career. He just, you know, kind of like, it's like this felt like this manufactured senior breakout, which has been like one of the worst signals that you can follow for these prospects. Um, but he was getting open on the outside. Like he's not just a yeah. gadget player. I don't think he kind of, feels like to me like a little Deontay Johnson-esque, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe a little more explosive. Right. Uh, and really now he's got... shifty. I mean, it's just crazy yeah, how so he shifty. make people miss. Yeah. You've got uh, Dayball there, obviously. I, I don't mm-hmm. have much faith in Daniel Jones at all. I don't think Daniel <laughs> Jones is good. But what Daniel Jones is bad at is going to hurt Kenny Galladay. Right. You know, and it's going to hurt Darius Slayton. I don't think that Daniel Jones, you know, just kind of being like mentally unwilling to throw the deep ball is going to impact Kadarius Tony at a 6.5 ADOT. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, I think he'll be just fine. And, uh, you know, they'll, I think 
understand that he's uh, one of their their more dynamic players. So, you know, I kind of, and I don't, th- the thing that I like about Tony too, is he's not all that expensive in drafts. Like if he, right. if, if he was like really hyped and people were just assuming that he was going to build on this small sample uh, kind of near breakout as a rookie, mm-hmm. then I would be pretty skeptical, but you don't have to, I mean, you're taking him like just ahead of Brandon Ayuk, you're taking him ahead of the top rookies um, or sometimes just behind like the, the Traylon Burks and the Garrett Wilson. Yeah, tier. Um, you're getting him by Rashad Bateman, who I really mm-hmm. like too. But Rashad Bateman had a little bit of a red flag rookie year. I mean, he he was not efficient down the stretch. Uh, he looked like he was going to come on. Then his routes didn't really materialize. Then his yards per out run dropped off. Uh, he's still in a in a tier like a tier of yards per out run where like DeAndre Hopkins was as a rookie. Um, you know, you you could see a, a big time second year breakout, but I think more likely. He'll probably be good, but not great this year. And then we're looking for a third year breakout. Like that's kind of seems to be the trajectory he's on because he has target competition of Mark Andrews, right. Marquise Brown. That's not going to go away. And their passing volume will probably decline this year once they get their running game back up and running with, you know, Dobbins back. So uh, he strikes me as someone that's like, I'm still drafting Bateman, but I, you know, if you told me like a year from a year ago that I would be like drafting Bateman and Tony, like, pretty much interchangeably in the same round this year, I wouldn't have believed you. So, uh, you know, I think, and, and by the way, on that small sample size with Tony, his efficiency was good enough that you can like tack on another hundred routes and, you know, just say like, he just stood there for those routes and, you know, his efficiency is still like really good. (laughs) Like really like what, yeah. You know, where you'd want to be targeting this guy in in his second year. So I, it was surprising. I I mean, I I thought he had that kind of juice, but I did not think he was going to be that good at at running routes. Yeah. And getting open. Yeah. It was impressive. Me neither. Um, Yeah. And I like Elijah Moore a lot. I think he feel, he still feels like maybe a little underdrafted relative to his ceiling. Although I was going to say he's sort of like the inverse of Tony where like they kind of did the same thing as far as popped, but for a short time, but mm-hmm. Moore is going what like two, three rounds before Tony. Um, so it sort of seems he like he's being drafted maybe where his where he should be, where Tony isn't, or or maybe he's being overdrafted. But then you just said maybe underdrafted. So I think maybe a little underdrafted because he was a very strong prospect. Oh yeah. No, so I like, love I love his talent. Yeah. When he, you know, you get him coming in and like building on a prospect. Like I think Tony is is probably a touch underdrafted. Um but not, but like if he got much more expensive, I think I'd start to get nervous about it. It's more mm-hmm. that I'm like excited to be drafting him where he is. Um, right. Cause anytime like these guys that I, that I don't think I'll be drafting and I'm, and I end up drafting them, that kind of like makes me, makes me happy. <laughs> uh, but more is someone that I was uh, pretty into as a prospect mm-hmm. and then immediately flashes like real upside. The problem with him is obviously the quarterback play. So if it gets, if it gets much more expensive, then. We'll have to cool off, but right. Uh, but he looks like a very, they got really, really strong uh, potential to become a, a fantasy difference maker type of wide receiver. Yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned with Bateman, you know, the, the big concern being Marquise Brown, and I wonder if is Marquise Brown, in your view, really that much better than Corey Davis? I mean, like they both are kind of like good but not great, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. I think the more has at this point, given us more reason to believe that he can dictate what be happens. the man. Yeah. Yeah. Where like Bateman, he wasn't really 
I mean, if anyone's dictating targets on that team, it's Mark Andrews right now. Right. When you so, didn't have Lamar, that's the only other, uh, you know, excuse I give Bateman for a lot of the season. But yeah, right. I mean, I like all of them. Do you have a thought on Devonta Smith? I know it's hard to get a read because of the way they don't pass very often, but what are your thoughts on him? I'm not as excited about Devonta Smith. I didn't like him as much as a prospect, uh, another four-year guy who didn't really have the production we were looking for until he was a senior. And now he did mm-hmm. win the Heisman as a senior. So right. <laughs> probably, uh, yeah, that's not usual. Um, but he wasn't like awesome as a rookie. He got used uh, very much as a deep threat, 14.9 ADOT. That wasn't necessarily how he profiles coming in. You know, right. he wasn't like a pure deep threat at Alabama. And I find that like a little disappointing that he's getting mm-hmm. used that way uh, because I, I'm not sure that's like the strength of his game. He can do it for you. But uh, and it's also like in that offense, I don't think we necessarily are dying to have Jalen Hurts, you know, pure deep threat. Right. So I, I wonder if like if they bring in some additional help, maybe that helps him. Uh, particularly if they were to bring in like a like an actual deep threat, um, or maybe Quez Watkins takes a step forward in that regard, and they can use him on some more intermediate stuff. Uh, so I'm not like out on him at all, but I'm not like as excited about him as like Elijah Moore. Yeah, one other guy I don't know what to do with. I'll, I'll ask you about Rondell Moore. Your thoughts on him? I, I'm still in on Rondell Moore again because the price to get him is not all that high. You know. Uh, people seem pretty scared off by the rookie season, which I get like it was a pretty bad rookie season, uh, you know, in terms of just him getting on the field. But he had 1.65 yards per route run, which is like totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. The issue is like they were playing Antoine Wesley instead right. of Rondell Moore, which is a, a pretty big deal. Uh, but I think what was really happening is they were playing Christian Kirk in the slot, right? Where he is best. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is hurt. Your best wide receiver at this point is Christian Kirk. He clearly has shown, you know, over four years, he played two outside in year two and year three and was not very good. He was good as a rookie playing in the slot, and he had been very good last year playing in the slot. So they're playing him in the slot. If they play Rondell Moore, they have to play him in the slot. So then you're bumping Christian Kirk basically out of position. That keeps Wesley off the field. You got A.J. Green, Kirk on the outside, and Moore in the slot. But I think they thought we're better off if we got Kirk in the slot and Wesley and Green on the outside. So right. I don't necessarily view it as like Wesley was playing over more. I think they were prioritizing their best wide receiver and what he does best. He's obviously gone now. So you're going to see a ton of Rondale Moore in the slot. Uh, he did have a 1.3 ADOT. Uh, yeah, I know. Which I, I was, for a while, I thought it might be negative ADOT. I mean, he was almost <laughs> never catching a pass past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so that's not great. Uh but, you know, he was pretty efficient, and uh, and he'll see, I think, a lot more work this year. I, yeah, I think it just comes down to Kirk being gone. I mean, that's really how yeah. I feel about it. Yeah, he's, he's going to yeah. get so much more. I wonder if his price moves up to the point where well, yeah, know, it'll be less easy to draft. But he's pretty easy to draft right now. Yeah, I think because of the negativity coming out of last year, I think a lot of people will miss that Kirk being gone, how much it helps him. So, yeah, I, I think I'm in on him. I can't remember. Are there any backs we should discuss from last year that – well, Javante's is gonna he's gonna get he'll hyped. pop, you would assume. Yeah. We yeah. just hope Melvin's gone. Najee, yeah. I think um to me, I think I actually feel a little bit better about Najee than I did last year because I'm like pretty skeptical of the 
this rookie is going to be an every down workhorse, you know, because we, right. we actually don't see that a lot. Right. And the fact that we did see it, you know, I'm like, well, he's definitely going to be a workhorse in year two now. Right. Um, and he was, I, I, I wasn't as high on him as a prospect as a lot of other people, but I didn't think he was like a bad prospect. I just thought he was kind of limited in, you know, the, not a breakaway type of guy. Basically everything exactly. we now know is about, you know, he's, the guy that can get a ton of touches and he can be used as a receiver, but he's not an incredible receiver and he's not right. going to deliver a ton of big plays. Like Najee's like basically exactly who I thought he was, but he's getting a lot of work. <laughs> when you're getting every, every down and it makes a difference. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Well, that's all helpful info. Um, as you start thinking about uh, redraft or dynasty tra- drafts this season, how do you go about uh, ranking players? That, what is that process for you? Do you like go through uh, and do like full projections or, you just kind of tweak the ADP or like do it on feel. How do you do that for drafts? For my dynasty stuff, I go through and, uh, and I need to actually am due to go through my dynasty ranks over at NBC and, and do a, a pre-draft update, but I'll go through and like, you know, do like 200, you know, top 200 ranks for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't usually have, um, redraft ranks, uh, I pretty much am going off of like there's projections that I trust and uh, uh, there's also, you know, ADP, my own research in terms of like, you know, second year breakouts, uh, the rookies that I like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the veterans that I think, you know, potential fall off. uh, And then also just like diversification, you know, if it's like I've drafted this guy a bunch here, I'll, I'll try to mix it up a bit. So. Um, that's like a little bit somewhat more feel based, I think for me. And then one thing I also try to keep in mind too, is like, if I'm doing, you know, especially in something like the main event that opens up, you know, fairly early or any of these best ball tournaments, um, like just kind of understanding where other people were getting players previously in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and also like kind of trying to predict the market a little bit like you know this player's the type of guy who tends to get like go screaming up boards right um so if i can get him cheaper now uh you know or or you know vice versa like hopefully i was loading up on this guy in the fourth round now he's going at the you know in the early third round i can i can chill out and and mix up my exposure a bit yeah yeah do you go into a draft then with you know like just a, a ranked list or do you have tiers or how do you approach that I'm mostly drafting, like looking at the ADP and, okay. and then thinking structurally. Yeah. Uh, but like, so it's knowing... literally like feel like you're not like crossing guys off a list. You're just watching it and you know the board really well and you go from there. Yeah. I, by the time I've done, like, by the time we get up to like the, the high stakes drafts, uh, I've drafted like so many leagues. Like, I'm right. drafting best balls, right? I got like six uh, slow drafts going right now. So you have um, a really good feel for the board. Yeah. I haven't done the FFPC ones uh, really yet, but like by the time we get, you know, into, into mid August, I'll have done a bunch of those best ball and uh, football guys and uh, you know, main event drafts. Yeah. The first main event draft, we, the first one, Pete and I will do a, a slow draft usually to kick it off uh, mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Me, Pete and Gretch all did a slow draft uh, last year to kind of kick off our season. And that, you're putting a lot more time into each pick. Right. Yeah. Um, really think through every single one. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so that it's like, it's not just a list. It's like every, everything I can. Yeah. Know, do, do you find like, then you're sort of basing your next drafts off of that one. When you have one that start off with, and you really think through the picks, you, you, you kind of think of back to that board. Yeah. You kind of, you, yeah. You kind of use some of that research, use some of like the lessons of that draft and, mm-hmm. you know, also just kind of the ADP in general, but you get a feel like, you know, in one of our early drafts, we, we wanted to see Higgins, um, and we wanted DJ Moore, and you know we were we were considering like you know okay how do we get like what do we do here like is there any chance Higgins gets back to us at the end of the uh, at the end of the fifth I think is what we were banking on, um, which was like very very low chance of that happening. We ended up taking Amari Cooper at like the three eleven, assuming that DJ Moore would get back to us at the four oh two, and he didn't. Oh. and and then t higgins didn't get back to us so like you know it's like you kind of go into the next draft like a little bit less willing to make the gamble right. of you know your your guys kind of getting back to you and just like prioritizing taking them or you know had that happened uh the way we wanted maybe you know we'd be less likely to reach for our right. guys but yeah it's interesting how all that plays in psychologically yeah yeah that's cool yeah um i guess another one other question uh i had about just this coming season is are there a few players that early in these best balls or just as you're thinking through the board that you are much or significantly higher on than most people or significantly lower on than most people? Uh, I don't just like rookies or just anybody. No, just anybody. Like I guess in the, in the best balls guys that you see yourself taking a lot because you're higher than most or just totally don't have any of. I think AJ Brown is is probably one guy that I'm much higher on than uh, than consensus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he feels to me like you know there's that tier of three: Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. Um, and then we kind of had you know Tyree Kill and, and Devontae Adams are now much bigger question marks than we would have. Mm-hmm. And so it's like who can I who can I go to war with here at wide receiver? that's actually has a chance of like putting up a wide receiver overall wide receiver one season. Right. And AJ Brown, like really does feel like that guy to me where there's not strong target competition there. Um, He struggled with injuries last year, but was still very good. And is like after this year, if you know, it goes the way I'm hoping it might, we could easily be like, he's the best wide receiver in the league. You know, he's had, since entering the league, 2.42 yards per outrun, then 2.67, then 2.72. I mean, the guy's like just been an absolute superstar since yeah. entering the league. And right now it feels like, no, the best the best wide receiver in the league is is one of Coop, Chase, uh, Cooper, Chase, or Jefferson. But Brown, it really just comes down to like, does he get more volume than he has? Um, because no one's doubting his skill set, his yards after catch ability, right. his downfield ability. I mean, he's pretty incredible. So I... I really like uh, AJ Brown and it feels like he's, he's getting drafted much later than, you know, I'm comfortable taking him. I, I'm, I'm comfortable reaching on him um, by like a number of picks. Uh, and even like Stefan Diggs, I like a lot, you know, but you, just in terms of the target competition between like him and Brown, like it's harder for me to see Stefan Diggs being like the wide receiver one right. than AJ Brown. Cause you really just need, you know, like imagine like kind of a Ravens situation, you know, 
where they're just like they're forced to pass. Maybe the defense isn't quite as good next year. We've already saw Henry uh, get hurt. You know, they, they go to the pass a little bit more. A.J. Brown's healthier and the passing attempts spike up in a way that we can't project. We would never project. But, you know, we know weird stuff happens all the time in the NFL. It's like that one thing happens if the pass attempts spike for whatever reason, he could just crush. Yeah, I guess I would just in, in comparison with Diggs, and it's interesting because um, I have them right next to each other in my rankings right now. I think the biggest question mark is just can it can Brown's pie get anywhere close to Diggs's pie, like as an offense, mm-hmm. like they pass the ball so yeah. stinking much in Buffalo that you know he doesn't have it to can't. Be the he'll only never guy. get as close. Yeah, they'll never be the Bills. But it's just I mean, more but even about if he's like, forty, even if he's forty percent of you know of their targets, yeah. I mean, it's like w- would that equal to twenty five percent? Of Buffalo's <laughs> targets for Diggs, I mean, they're probably at the same number almost. You know, but, in uh, most, it, yeah, in most outcomes, that's probably right. I do think, like you know, Baltimore, I, it does like give me some hope in a way where you know you did see them. They they had so many more passing plays than the year before, uh, yeah, just because because of some injuries and because their defense, because people were able to pass all over them. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in that, and you mentioned that earlier. I wonder if Baltimore – they said before last season we want to be more pass-heavy, we want Lamar to throw it downfield more, and then they did. But it was like, is that due to injury or you know, because their defense, everyone was hurt or what? I, I'm very curious to see if, they, if they're if they more like 55% pass uh, plus. Um, yeah, those all those guys. The receiver changes everything for those receivers. It really does, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping their defense <clears throat> isn't uh, – sorry, Ravens fans, but I'm hoping your defense isn't good. <laughs> who do you root for i don't have a team oh, okay I, I just was I, curious I if it played team. into your team you're just purely for fantasy i hope your defense stinks. that's right <laughs> all right just a couple more questions here and then we'll do this exercise to close out um something i've asked every expert um uh basically just the first question was is there anything you've learned this season it could be personally or professionally anything that you would say i look back at this i know it's been a weird time for all of us but i look back this year and i've definitely learned this thing well, I got a dog about a year ago. Uh, so, you know, raising a puppy uh, has its lessons. Uh, some some real joy in that, you know. Yeah. He's, he's great. Uh, but also, like, definitely has trained me to kind of, like, be a bit more patient and kind of mm. that, like, stop and think through thing. Uh, yeah. Think, think through the problem. Um, you know, like, if I'm clearly about to leave and he has realized, like, oh, you're you know, it's the time of day where I'm going to the gym or whatever. And he knows, you know, I'm going to ask him to go to his pen. He'll often like, just kind of lay down and like roll over to be like, (laughs) I'm not going to do what you want, but you're the boss. (laughs) (laughs) I submit to you. I submit, but also I won't do what you're about to ask me to do. So, you know, you can like go pick him up and put him in his pen, but that accomplishes nothing. Or you can like put like a little treat, uh trail down you know you you can <laughs> you can outsmart this animal and get him to do what you want and he will do it willingly like you don't need to you right. know you can get him to move his legs to where you want him to go like you definitely more is possible involved, right yeah it's patience and then it's like thinking through like w- we take him to the park and he's pretty well behaved at the park but he loves balls like he you know if we if we bring a ball and he's got the ball he won't, he's like, I have the ball. So what on earth could you possibly have that's better than this? Like, we'll bring like chicken, like, like chunks of chicken. And he's like, yeah, great. I don't give, I don't, I don't care about that at all. I have a ball. So it's like, that's what great. could we do? You know, 
well, you bring another ball. Ah. If you have another ball, then he's like, oh, I definitely <laughs> want that. That's a ball. So there's like always a solution to this if you just kind of think through it, you know, and, uh, and don't and don't get frustrated. So it's been like a nice lesson in, in just like not letting yourself get frustrated. Anymore. Yeah, that's good. I like it. I guess I don't know if you'll ever have children, but that is definitely preparing you for children. If so, because the psychological <laughs> uh, figuring out how to make them do what you want is almost all of parenting. Uh, how about um, how about for our listeners? I know you are um, you've been successful playing fantasy and you think about it a ton. So if our if our listeners, you know, they want to get better, uh, they want to play in strong against stronger players or, you know, enter a big contest or, you know, just win their home league. What is one way that they can uh, really improve in your view? Uh, I would say co-manage. Um, if you're if you're co-managing. Uh, there's, I think a number of advantages, uh, you're, first of all, you're gonna have more fun. I just think it's, it's more fun. Cause you're, you're kind of sharing the excitement, you're sharing the pain <laughs> with, with another, with a buddy. Yeah. You also, you know, are getting to, uh, talk through some of these key decisions, which can be helpful mm-hmm. in like understanding your own thought process, you know, and, and making, right. pushing yourself to like, do a little bit more research about why you think what you think, not just kind of going on gut but like actually you know decide making a decision that's based on evidence mm-hmm. and you're getting someone else's thoughts and opinions and ideas so that you're not just kind of making the same decision over and over it's gonna you're gonna naturally diversify uh you're gonna you know be exposed to different ways of thinking about these players so i think it's it's like a really uh productive way of of kind of getting better at fantasy um because you can't close out other opinions when you literally have to, right. you know, come to a consensus with someone else. Yeah. Uh, and that's been kind of the journey of, of like, as I've gotten more into, you know, high stakes, done that with co-managing with, with Pete Overzet, Ben Gretsch, uh, Mike Leone co-managed the, the NFC team that I was mentioning earlier with me and Ben. Um, I just think, so it's not even just limited to one. I think if you do like, you know, a team with, with two or three other people that can be really, really fun and also a good way to uh, just kind of level up. That's awesome. Very good advice. That's something no, no one else has said. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, I agree. I like playing with, with a partner or partners. I don't think I've actually ever done with three, but I've done with one other person several times. My big challenge is just splitting up the workload and, mm-hmm. um, and agreeing, uh, you know, when you like, for if, if there's trading in a league, I find it very difficult because I'm a trader. I love to make moves and a lot of guys just are, are nervous to do that, you know? Um, yeah. Or, but even picking up guys, you know, like how much do you spend? I know I've heard you guys process that on ship chasing, like how much you want to spend on certain guys. And it's just, a, you're right though. You have to work through it. It changes your viewpoint on things. And it can, you can do all that stuff uh, in a number of different ways. Like, you know, there's some teams where we're kind of as a group going through and making like consensus bids for waiver wire stuff. Uh, we did a, uh, a penta managed team there were five of us um which is probably a little too much i would say maybe four is the the ideal max but but you know it works it works uh i think we maybe won that league uh but we had hassan hassan rahim managed our uh he would kind of put in the first run of waivers and basically be like what do you guys think and that's good that can be super helpful too so if you have someone willing to take the lead on waivers that's awesome um but you can also you know, battle. It's like really just, you know, how many leagues do you have? How involved do you want to be right. in that type of stuff? Yeah. Yep. That's good. 
All right, that's that was awesome thoughts, man. I appreciate it. We're going to finish with a little exercise here. I hope this will be fun. Uh, we each ranked our top 40 players or so, and we're basically just going to go back and forth and um, see if, if there's a player that's drafted way before uh, or after you know you have them on your board. It's probably just going to be before that we've noticed, but we can discuss that. So, um, yeah, we'll just go back and forth. You can you can start. Who are you picking if you have the first pick in, a, in the draft? I'm picking Jonathan Taylor right now, uh, and this is this is a tight end premium draft yeah, right right um yeah i'm taking jonathan taylor i totally get the argument for cmc but uh i don't know i think taylor might have an additional um tier that he can reach in terms of of what he's doing as an nfl player just immensely talented in a really good situation okay um i would go cup at number two. Oh wow all right that far uh, far ahead where you have him a little bit, yeah. I have him number four. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just uh, feel like uh, the yeah. I obviously, what he did last year, but I just don't feel like the competition there for targets has changed much. Uh, if anything, it's probably gone more in his favor with Woods leaving. Um, maybe not. They they uh, you know have added, but yeah, I just think uh, it's got that connection, breakfast connection, whatever they call it. He definitely does. I mean, he was just <laughs> dominant. Uh. Who would you go after uh, if those guys are off the board? CMC. Okay. Yeah, I have him a little lower. Um, you, you, are you, I guess, just not overly concerned with the lack of a quarterback or, you know, the the, the injury history? I mean, it's definitely a concern, the injury history. Uh, it's not going to be an efficient offense, but they're just going to throw a ton of balls to Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah. in terms of, you know, he, he could put up like 28 points per game this year just because they – just because of the way PPR scoring works. Right. No, I love him. And I just, I just worry about that stuff. I, the next guy I would actually take is Kelsey uh, in tight end premium. I think with Hill leaving, he's um, going to see more targets than he did last year. Obviously, he's awesome. Um, That's the other guy I had over Cup. Okay. So he was right there with you. So who would you go next with those guys gone? Jefferson. Okay. Interesting. And I had Jefferson over Chase, but then I swapped it recently. Why do you have Jefferson over Chase? I'm getting a little bit excited about the Vikings offense relative to where they were last year. Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting, I think, a pretty big increase in passing attempts. I think you're going to get an increase in passing passing efficiency, a better design passing game that's designed more around the quarterback. Uh, <clears throat> you're also having Adam Thielen, I think, you know, showed some real decline last year. I think mm -hmm. that's, you know, I don't think he's reversing that. Uh, and a pretty... Sharp OC, uh, former OC, now head coach that I think uh, will we'll design the offense around Justin Jefferson, design the passing offense around him, and just extremely, extremely talented. I don't tend to get like too wrapped up in target competition in general, you know, because I think for the most part, these elite wide receivers are going to drive the targets to themselves. Like it's, it's not something I, I think it tends to get a bit overrated, but if we want like the wide receiver one, you know, I do think that having T Higgins there is a little bit harder for Chase yep. to just have the absolute mind melting type of season than it is for Jefferson, who, you know, he, I think Thielen potentially could be in that true sweet spot where he's just good enough to prevent the defense from totally keying on Jefferson, mm -hmm. but not nearly good enough to really eat into his target share. Yeah, no, that's a good point. 
I, I think probably as I'm as I'm going back and forth, I think it has to, a lot to do with the quarterback, just trusting Burrow more, but mm-hmm. I do worry about Higgins. Uh, the next guy I would take is actually Derrick Henry. Um, so I don't know how far ahead of eighty or your list that is. I know it's a little ahead of ADP. Uh, it's a it's it's a bit ahead of where I have him. Who <laughs> <laughs> who would be your next guy? Mark Chase. Oh no no I'm sorry I had so I I was Chase yeah because oh. Chase, Chase and Jefferson were right together for me I should have said Chase yeah so who would be next after you after Chase for you? Uh, I'll take Eckler. Okay. Yeah, and I had Henry yeah. then Eckler, so we're right there. I, I had Ek- at the last ADP I looked at Eckler was like top five, so I had him down at nine, I think, which is or eight, which is you know a lot lower than uh, ADP. Yeah. But I'm like a little lower on him, but yeah. but it's because I want those. I want all three of the wide receivers after the top two running backs. I want all three of the wide receivers, and I would take Kelsey as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. So after Henry and Eckler, I would go Najee. Um, like you said, I was not big on Najee last year, but just the, how hard it is to find three down backs, I would I would go ahead and grab him at that point late in the first. I'll take Dalvin Cook. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Dude, my excitement I about Cook, the the Vikings. I have Cook way down the list. I'll get Dude, to that. Okay, I have him nineteenth. Um, wow. I just I just don't I do not trust him this year. I think the injuries have caught up to me psychologically. I'm sure he will rise up my board um, from here, but. As of right now, he is just, uh, I don't have, I'm not going to have him anywhere with this, you know, on this list. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, maybe I'm a bit too high, uh, but I, one of the things about these offenses, like the McVeigh tree offenses, is they do tend to be like somewhat balanced, but they're also efficient. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're kind of getting like the mix in stuff from Cook, but I think Cook is probably, you know, I think Cook's more talented than Mixon. So if kind of everything goes right, Cook could could really smash where where Mixon it feels like everything goes right and he and he's like what you drafted. Yeah, and I mean Cook was number two overall last year. So it's not like it's it's a crazy pick. It's just like it's probably just my own bias. Um I think the question mark between Mixon and Cook for me, I do have Mixon first, is that uh is the offense is the Bengals gonna turn into just a total, mm-hmm. you know, pass fest, or are they gonna continue? Because last year they just did everything they could to be a run running offense, you know. If that continues, Mixon's yeah. got a lot of value there. But so. it shouldn't continue. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. But yeah, my next actually before Mixon, I would take Mark Andrews, and that's definitely ahead yep. of ADP um, with with uh, tight end premium. I mean, that's he's right to take Kelsey for me. Oh yeah, okay. So we're yeah. in agreement. I mean, that's I think he's not going in the first round in FFPC drafts yet, but I think he'll get there. Um, I don't know how you cannot with how good he looked. So. So if Andrews is off the board, where would you go next? I'm going to – this is like way ahead of, of ADP, but I'm going to go Waller. Okay. I had Waller. Whoa, that's – I had Waller ahead of ADP, <laughs> but you're way ahead of ADP. Okay, yeah. And, yeah. And again, Waller and Andrews are right there, skill level, right? So, Right. And my, uh, my, my thing with the tight ends is like there's like really two tiers of tight ends where uh, it's like Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Andrews, probably Pitts from a skill level. I think, you know, he's not there. He wasn't there as a rookie, but he'll probably get there this year. And like maybe Dallas Goddard, you could argue, where it's like they're like these rare human beings who can block and also be like a star level wide receiver, like star level efficiency. And everyone else is just like situation based. 
Yeah. And so, like, if I can get one of these guys who's, you know, an elite talent and tight end, but it's also like fairly injury prone is like mm-hmm. a position, which is obviously, it obviously makes any one of these guys more risky. But if you get one of them and then like two of the other top guys get hurt, you know, the yeah. remaining guys are going to just give you such a positional advantage. Yeah. And I think it's less injury prone for sure than running back. It's more like receiver. It is, but it's still, uh, yeah. yeah. But they're, you know, they're doing more blocking, I guess. Uh, the next guy I would actually take is Mixon. He's the next on my list. I, I would not be happy about it, but I would take him there. Uh, I'll take A.J. Brown. Okay. And again, I had him ahead of ADP, but just a little behind you. So now I know if I want these guys, I'm going to draft with you. I got <laughs> to go really early. Uh, the next guy I take is Javante. Um, nice, yeah. I, I know it's a little early, but um, I, I love the talent. And I'm just at this point crossing my fingers. Melvin's gone. Yeah, I have like in my list, uh, basically like, like compared to ADP, like all the running backs are just like in the red. Like I'm behind ADP on them. Javante is even. So okay, <laughs> there you go. That, that counts for uh, being above that, ADP for me. Yeah. That's pretty high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go Diggs. Okay. And I, then I would go Devonte Adams. Nice. I'm I'm nervous about Adams. I think that mind melt. I do. I am too. I mean, it's Derek Carr, but it's like it's Devonte yeah. Adams. That's. Really yeah. tough. It is, yeah. And we did this with Hopkins two years ago. We we're like, I don't know, the situation's not what we want. And then he smashed. Right. Um, all right, I'll take Kyle Pitts as I just clean up the tight ends. Okay. See, and I, I had Pitts all the way down at 29. I'm just I'm way lower on him because of the Marcus Mariota situation. But right. I do like the talent. I would go Debo next. That's who I would have gone next to, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, who would be after Debo then? I'll go Camara. Oh, okay. I don't like it all, but um, yeah, I'm lower on him too. I would go Tyree Kill next. Nice. Okay. Uh, I'll go CD Lamb. That was my next. All right, we're close on some of these guys. Then I would go. See, that's where Cook would have been. This is where Cook would have been for me. I'll go. My next is DeAndre Swift. Yep, I like that. Uh, I'll go George Kittle. Okay. Get these tight ends <laughs> going hard. And I had Kittle above ADP, but again, not that high. Uh, my next would be Nick Chubb. All right. Uh, I'll go Leonard Fournette. Oh, see, I was way ahead of ADP, and he was two away right here. I thought I was going to get him. All right. So that's good. And right ahead of Fournette, I have Barkley. So I would go Barkley there. End nice. of the second. Nice. So we're just, for, just for reference, we're at pick 24 oh. right now. Uh, I'll go T. Higgins. Okay. I have three down. I would go DK Metcalf here, which I was surprised when I looked at the ADP. Metcalf is like down near the end of the third, which yeah. surprised me. Like last year, he was going into the second. I know he lost Wilson, but I don't know. I, I feel also like it was feel big... like he could get traded, right? So that's like a pretty, yeah. that's a juicy out. Yeah. I mean, would you take him around here or would you wait? I'd probably wait a bit. I mean, partly just because he's going later. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, anytime I can get the discount, I want it. Right. All right. Who would be, who'd be after that? You said Higgins, right? So he's gone. Higgins, yeah. I went Metcalf. So then, oh, then you go. Next? So it's me again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Aaron Jones. Okay. And you took Kits and uh, Kittle and Pitts already, right? Yep. All right. Aaron Jones is gone. I had him soon. I would go Mike Evans next. Nice. Uh, I'll go Jalen Waddle. Okay, he's 
two down for me. Right before him for me is Antonio Gibson, even though I don't really like him. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like he's potentially worth it. Uh, all right, I'll go. I'll go. God, this is where it starts to get a little hard with the receivers. I know I'll these guys are really tough. Okay, yeah, and he was close for me. Um, this is we're getting close to that end of the third round section where the, uh, you know, the, the dead zone starts, and that's I have these some of these backs. I'm like ah, like I think next on my list I have Cam Akers. Um, again, mm-hmm. Gibson and Akers, I'm not excited about, but so if those two are gone, where would you go next? Uh, I'll go DeAndre Hopkins, and he was my next also, and then I would go Terry McLaurin. Who I also am above ADP on. All right, I'll go. I'll go Jerry Judy. Oh, he did not make my top forty. Okay, why do you like Judy? I think. I mean, I just think the quarterback upgrade is is massive, and I think Judy Judy kind of got like treated like it wasn't going to happen for him. But I think so much of that is just the horrible situation, and not just in terms of the abysmal quarterback play, but a defense first team, a mm-hmm. run heavy team. Yeah. Uh, not, not a particularly creative passing offense. So like he's getting all the upgrades. Yeah. With Hackett coming in, right. It should be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. I should probably be hiring him. I I think so far I've been higher on Sutton than Judy, but it's probably a mistake. No, I mean, the market seems to be with you on that. And uh, I like Sutton too. I thought that, the market would be more hyped on Judy, but uh, I think Judy should go over Sutton. But if if the market like eventually decides like no Sutton is the guy, I'll be taking Sutton and then taking my discount on Judy as well. Like I'm not gonna. Right. I think I think Sutton's a strong pick as well. Okay. All right. Let's do two two more picks here. Uh, next, I would take Deontay. Nice. And you, uh, you can wrap us up with the who be your next guy that's still available. I'll do James Conner. Okay. And I had Conner two down. I have Elijah Mitchell one ahead of Conner. Uh, and since I just said his name and I'm way ahead of ADP, what do you think of Elijah Mitchell? The The next guy I would take after that would be Brees Hall. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, th- he's right there for me too. Yeah. I'm just torn. I'm really conflicted with those guys because I feel like Elijah Mitchell has potential to really go off this year without much competition. And, you know, 49ers like to run it. And just not knowing where Brees Hall is going to land, but um, what do you what do you think about Mitchell's uh, prospects? Mitchell's makes me nervous just because it feels like inertia. Like you just you know like you just need everything to stay the same. You mm-hmm. know, it's like uh, where I don't know. There's like usually more chaos than that. Um, like maybe Sermon gets like a little bit more in with the coaching staff after completely bombing his rookie year yeah. uh, with a with a full off season or something. Right. Um, so, you know, we saw Ayuk recover from the doghouse. Maybe Sermon can a bit. Yeah, uh, I have such a hard time drafting 49ers because of the way Shanahan does stuff, man. I know. Just, you're, you're you're gone. You're dead to me. And then, like, what? Right. Dude's good. And part of the part of the appeal for me for Mitchell last year was um, you know, he was like really he was one of the guys I liked as a flyer. Actually, yeah. <laughs> me, and free. me and Leone. He was free. Me and Leone actually cut him in a dynasty league, which is like one of the, the saddest <laughs> oh, gosh, things. Uh, of a, yeah. But, you know, there were a lot of leagues where I was able to scoop him up very cheaply. And at the time, the, the argument's like, look, there's not that much separating him from Trey, Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. You know, like their profiles are very similar. 
really just the draft position is the only major difference. But that's still true. Like the, right. he's still like he's had he had a much stronger the rookie year obviously counts for uh, for a lot when you're trying to evaluate what happens next. But you know he's not that different of a player from Sermon. If Sermon kind of gets it together, they right. could pretty easily be in a committee. So um, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, he 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 looked good last year, but I don't think he's like a, a kind of superstar talent or anything. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, that was very fun, man. Very interesting. Thank you for taking the time to do that. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners before we uh, close out where they can find you and your work? Yeah. Uh, NBC Sports Edge. Uh, we've got this this week, actually today, I, I put out my, um, my part two of my wide receiver rookie ranks. Uh, part one came out a couple days ago. Uh, going through like all the analytical profiles for these guys. Part three mm-hmm. will be out tomorrow. I'm going to have uh, articles on the quarterbacks, the running backs, the tight ends coming as well. Uh, and then also check out a good football show. Uh, actually, at 4 o'clock today, I uh, will be uh, on with Hayden Winks and Ryan McDowell. We're talking rookie risers and fallers. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and uh, Roland, I'm hosting a show uh, on a good football show, the Thursday show. I'm hosting that uh, in the offseason. So lots of Very good guests cool. rolling through. Yeah, you're doing a great job with that. It's a great show. If you haven't checked it out, definitely listen to that. Uh, for our listeners, uh, please help the podcast out. Uh, help keep going without ads by giving us a rating and review. Uh, share the pod with others, and you can support the pod over at Anchor. It would mean a lot. Thanks so much for listening. For Pat Crane, I'm Kevin Scott. We will see you next time.